0: Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you— Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You knew how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the word of the Lord.
1: This morning, as I woke up, I immediately, uh, I get up around six uh, on Sunday mornings, and I immediately realized what time it was, and my mind went to Africa. And when my mind went to Africa, I realized that... um, Uh, Pastor Sheridan was leading in worship underneath that mango tree uh, there in Africa. Uh, The uh, other realization that I had today is I uh, sent several texts this morning to uh, friends of mine who are pastoring churches and leading different ministries in really different uh, settings, And so I text Josh, and I text Gail, and I text Jazz, and I text Andrew, um, uh, I text Jason. Um, These are uh, guys whom God is using in different ways in different places. Uh, The question that comes to me as I'm thinking of Sheridan under the tree in Africa, I'm thinking of us in a building that looks kind of like an airport hangar. Uh, I'm thinking just down the road is Josh at PG Baptist and it's a brick building with long aisles and uh, Gail is perched atop a, a hill in Old Fort with an excellent view in, in a block building. Um, what makes a church a church? What is it that says this is in fact church? Uh, Is it the style of worship? Is it the building? Uh, Is it uh, a certain thing that the people do when they gather? What constitutes church? In a day uh, when church looks and feels so different in so many different places, then, then how are we to know? And it is in this letter, we're beginning a new series today from 1 Thessalonians called Living Well, and it is in this letter that Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, you are a church. I want to draw your attention to something you can't see in the English, but in the Greek, Paul writes in a, a second person plural The U's in this this letter are not individualistic. They aren't to a single person. They're to the church at Thessalonica. Uh, We in America are individualized. We uh, really seek our own, are accustomed to living on islands all by ourselves. But this letter is written to uh, the church at Thessalonica. Thessalonica is a port city I have a map for you those in my New Testament on Sunday nights will recognize this um, the map uh, gives you I don't have my pointer with me but uh, if you go over here to Corinth up to Achaia this is uh, Paul's third missionary journey you'll see Thessalonica the the port city there it looks like it's a a top a crab claw Uh, Thessalonica was a cosmopolitan city. There were all kinds of people who lived there because of its access uh, to water. It was a city that had multiple religions, all kinds of commerce. It was a city where women held positions of pretty high esteem uh, in those days uh, compared to other cities uh, farther inland like Philippi. Uh, Thessalonica was a thriving uh, uh, port city in the day. Um. In this letter, Timothy has traveled to Thessalonica, and he is brought back to Paul and Silas, or some of your translations say Sylvanus. It's a Latin version of his name. It's brought back to uh, Paul and Silas a good report from this church. And it is from this report that then Paul writes a letter back to the church there. Now, it's confusing in your Bibles because we have an assumption that all of the New Testament is written, uh, is printed for us when it was written. But uh, the book to the Thessalonians is one of the earliest, if not the earliest, letter Paul wrote. And so it was written early on in the New Testament church. And Paul has much to say about this. And then when you go through a book... um, You get no choice what comes next. That's just how it rolls, and it's good and it's hard. And in this first chapter, the word chosen comes up. You are chosen, Paul says. It's the same word that mirrors the the language of Ephesians 1 or Romans 9 and 10. What does it mean to be chosen? Uh, We have not the time to go into that this uh, this morning. I promise you a blog this week that perhaps will help us understand that mystery a little more. But uh, Paul says uh, to those whom God has chosen. And so uh, I've entitled the sermon, Evidence of Election. Because election or being chosen by God is a two-sided coin and uh, uh, there are some who err on one side of it and they completely take out any human activity in response to God's choice. And there are some who err on the other side and they take out God's activity. Uh, But here Paul says, this is how I know you're chosen. Uh, This is it. You say, how do you see that? Let me read it for you. For we know, brothers, verse 4, loved by God that he has chosen you because. uh, There's it, because. We know God has chosen you and here's the proof. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, I I recommend that you do through this whole study because this will be great to reflect on. If you're taking notes, uh, you'll jot down five proofs of, uh, of, uh, of church being church. Five proofs uh, or evidences of election. Uh, The first proof is you heard. You heard, look at verse five. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Uh, The beginning point of election or salvation is the preaching of the gospel. You heard. Paul says you heard the gospel. It came not only in word, uh, but in power and in the spirit. There were the words that were spoken. Um, There was, this is ancient, the logos, the pathos, and the ethos. There were the words. There was the passion with which they were spoken. There was the life that Paul lived among them. Uh, They heard and they believed uh, we discover this in Acts 17, verses 1 through 9. That's the founding of the church at Thessalonica. Uh, here's how it happened. Now, when they, Paul and Silas, had passed through Ampiphip, Ampip, uh-huh, yeah, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, that would be the Old Testament, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Christ, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Uh, in order for you, to come to faith in christ somebody has to preach the gospel somebody has to tell you about your sin and the greatness of your sin and the superior greatness of the savior you have to hear uh, Paul in Romans uh, 10 makes this crystal clear. It is a sobering message for uh, those of us who have been given the task to preach the gospel. Uh, Romans 10:14, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Uh, Verse 16 says, but... They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Uh, The first proof of church being church is that you hear or you heard the gospel. You heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, It isn't my opinions that matter. I am a fallible human being as you are. I am made of the same flesh of which you are made. I struggle with sin as you do. I uh, don't know things as you do not know them. I am weak. I am helpless apart from Christ. I haven't figured it all out. And so if you come to Christ, it will be because you hear the gospel, but it will not be, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, because it is persuasive words of men's wisdom, it will be in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. If the Spirit doesn't work when I preach, this is empty, useless conversation. Uh, Spurgeon the great preacher in England is said uh, in that church that baptized uh, 14 to 16,000 people in his tenure there is said as he walked up the steps to say this I believe in the Holy Ghost I believe in the Holy Ghost I believe in the Holy Ghost you have to hear the gospel but that isn't enough. Please hear me. Uh, Attending church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a garage makes you a car. It it doesn't work that way. Osmosis doesn't work in here. Uh, You heard, uh, but secondly, you turned. Verse 9. You turned back to First Thessalonians verse nine. For they themselves report concerning us um, the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Uh, you turned from and to, but let me get that in the right order. You turned to and you turned from. You turned to God from idols. Paul says. To God from idols. What is an idol? Uh, here's a definition. It is an appearance. A mere image, a shadow, a phantom. Meaning an idol isn't real. It is fake. Now, why is it then that they pack such power? Why is it if it is a phantom, a mere image, uh, it isn't the real thing? Does an idol pack such power? Here's why Satan takes his power, which he possesses. It, it is not unlimited, it is a limited power, but it is a power. Uh, he has his minions, he has demons who do his bidding, and he puts that power behind idols. So as to deceive the person because we more easily believe in something we can see than something we cannot. The idol then appears to be powerful, but it has no inherent power. Such is Satan's scheme. So here's something that is a mere phantom but it appears to have power. Let me demonstrate. When we were in Africa, on the back of our old safari bus was a long, legit cow's tail. Kind of gray. The cows tend to be gray there. Gray, long cow's tail. Hanging underneath, kind of uh, appeared to be maybe on the wheel chassis or somewhere is hanging this cow's tail. We saw them all over the city. Why? They are believed to keep you from having a wreck. Now, in Senegal, there are two primary religions. Uh, There's Islam, 91% of the country is Muslim, and animism. The belief in spirits in these trinkets, if you will. Is there any life in the cow's tail? Only when it's attached to the cow. That's the only life. Will it prevent us from wrecking? No. A cow's tail is good when attached to a cow to keep flies away. Evidently, that's what God made it for. Take it off the cow, put it on an old safari bus, and guess what? It doesn't keep anything away. But Mangoni, who drives our bus, who is Muslim, is also animistic. And he believes that the cowtail, I'm guessing, will pinch hit if Allah doesn't come through. <laughs> All right, there's, it's round two. But there's round three. If you look on his gear shift, you see small babies flip-flops that are down along the gear shift. Uh, I asked, or someone asked our interpreter, what was the point of the flip-flops? It is believed that since they belong on the feet of children, and the feet of children tread softly, that if you put them in your vehicle, uh, if you do have a wreck, so I'm assuming uh, all I missed, cowtail now has missed, flip-flops step in, and what they do is make your wreck not so bad. Seriously, seriously, um, they, what are flip-flops good for? Well, in Africa, they're good for little kids' feet, you see, to protect them from the burning sand. They don't help old safari buses keep from wrecking. Lifeless objects that, because of Satan's ploys in work, take on a life of their own. How would we know that? Well, uh, dare anyone take a pair of scissors and cut that cowtail off of the back of that bus? You got a fight on your hands over a cowtail. You see, cowtail has taken a life of its own. Satan has convincingly uh, convinced Mongoni that there's power in the cowtail. There's power in the flip-flops. Idolatry abounded in Thessalonica. But lest we think we're beyond that, in our logical Western culture, we have our own idols, don't we? We, we, we have them. I remember, um, very rare for me to go to an NFL game on a Sunday. But we trekked up to Cincinnati with Adam and a couple others, Jeff and Kenny, to watch a game a few weeks back, a few months back. And I was standing there with Jeff and we're looking out as literally yellow buses or orange buses with black uh, painted on them that look like a Bengal tiger come rolling in and Jeff and I stood there and he said this is these people's worship and he's right. All you had to do was hear the guy sitting too down for me. If you don't believe me, he started quite early uh, with his uh, degrading comments of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and by the end of the game was so profane that it was awful for anyone to hear. And he literally, with his son sitting beside him, after he had called them all dirty players, he kept saying, "You dirty players," and. Uh, I would just get so tickled at this. I just found it humorous that a grown adult man is acting like this. Uh, It was so, so bad at one point. He said, I wish they'd all die. Every one of them. Their families, every one of them. I'm like, are you serious? Like you want all Pittsburgh Steelers, fans, players, everyone associated with them to die. Why? Because his God was getting beaten up. Now, I don't want to belabor the point, but Psalm 115 gives us some insight. This is speaking about nations around Israel. Listen, their idols are silver and gold. And and folks, that could be said about our country. All right? Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. Listen, don't miss this. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. Ears, but do not hear noses, but do not smell hands, but do not feel feet, but do not walk, and they make not a sound in their throat. Idols are devoid of sense, S-E-N-S-E. Four of the five are mentioned here. They can't see, they can't smell. Uh, It's not mentioned here. They can't see, they can't touch. They they can't feel. They can't hear. But here's what happens. Verse 8, those who make them become like them. Ooh. So do all who trust in them. Ouch. Ouch. What does that mean? You are who or what you worship. You take on either its sensibility or its desensitized nature. You assume it. I'll give it an example, we'll be done. If you follow sports, Johnny Manziel. Unthinkable that such a gifted quarterback, because of the desensitizing nature of alcohol, could wreck such a promising career. His father, just last week interviewed, said if something doesn't change with him, he will not live to see his 24th birthday. Why? He has eyes, but he cannot see. He has ears, Johnny, but he cannot hear. He has feet, but he can't get anywhere. He has hands, but he can't feel. Such is the nature of idolatry. Proof that we collectively are the church. We hear, number one. Number two, we turn. We turn to God and from sin. Number three, you imitated. You imitated. Look at verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the spirit. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. For some reason, God in his divine work, um, didn't leave Jesus on planet earth. So you've heard this saying, maybe a lot, maybe never in this context. Are you ready? You are the only Jesus some people will ever see. You're it. You're it. You are The only Bible some people will ever read. You're it. Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And you ultimately are imitating the Lord. Uh, I want to speak to our group leaders, uh, to our deacons, to our paid staff, to our volunteer staff. People are watching you. Your walk with God is the level at which you're able to lead. You will not lead beyond where you are. You won't. We can't. Uh, part of being the church is that we mimic or imitate Christ. How did the word come to them? You received the word in much affliction uh, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. It's rare to see affliction, which is a heavy-duty suffering word, and joy in the same sentence. But here it is. You received the word in much affliction. Let me uh, read you how that went down. Verse four, uh, back in Acts 17 in Thessalonica. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble. I don't know what that means. Wicked men of the rabble. All right, so I don't know. They formed a mob. Set the city in an uproar and attack the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. The church is meeting at Jason's house. And they go find Jason's house. And they bring them out. They want to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they must have been hidden pretty well. They drag Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they were all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king... His name, Jesus, and the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things and when they had taken money as security from Jason, all right? He posted bail. Jason posted bail. One of the first believers in Thessalonica is being hauled off to jail and the rest, they let them go. Verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Paul had to run for his life. Silas too. And the believers in Thessalonica said, wow, this is hard stuff. I think I'll fold up my tent and go home. Uh, Didn't know I signed up for all this suffering stuff. No. No. They smiled. Jason, how was that? <laughs> Pretty good, man. Almost got us on that one, and the church thrived. Wow. The church boomed amidst the affliction, the church did wonderfully in the affliction. People watch how we suffer. They, they don't watch how we do when life is good, do they? No. It's when it isn't that the eyes turn on us. It's when things turn south. Will they keep the faith? I think of two years ago this month and the suffering that began on a Sunday morning at this place. when little Weston Kingsley died. And I think of the eyes on John who had just come to Christ a few years before. As a month later we gathered to pray for Rachel, John was up here praying. Mark Wise, who was on another continent Emailed me to say, Jerry, I had this dream about grace. About that time, he said, uh, Grace was like a towering oak, but it was bent all the way down to the ground. All the way down to the ground. And he said, In my dream, gradually, the oak straightened back up. Then it was Alec. In my 15 years here, we've never cried as much as we have in the last two. And people watch. And they look to see when we suffer, don't they? They they watch. On Friday, on the flip side of this, we took Trent for an appointment. Those of you who've been here for a while know that we've been through it with that boy. And we took him. And uh, his last surgery was a corrective surgery to try to fix the right ear. And so they do a hearing test, and then we go see Dr. Brown, uh, who's the fifth doctor I think we've had in in this whole run with him. And uh, Dr. Brown stepped in with a smile on his face. He said, have you seen this audiology report? No. Let me show it to you. He said, Trent's hearing in the right ear is at normal levels except in the very lowest frequency. It's as if that ear has never been diseased. Wow. He looked at us, he said, and his resident too, and they both said, you guys have been through so much, but we think we can do the same surgery on the left side and get it to the same level. I mean, two years ago, he was legally deaf. And two years later, Wendy and I sit there and hold back the tears of gratitude to God for what he's done. Yeah. Um, You imitate. Parents, let me say this. You are being watched by your kids. They're watching you. You are their first round of Christ, and the word lived out. Number four, you broadcasted, verse 7 and 8, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord, I love this phrase, sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, which Macedonia is the large region in which Thessalonica is a port city, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we, that we need not say anything. Paul said, I'm trekking out to Philippi and you beat me there. Word of you has spread. If... Uh, If you're truly born again, if we as a church are truly a church, we will not country club this thing up. Do you hear me? It will not be kept just for us. It will not be my for and no more. We will open our doors and open our hearts to the disenfranchised, to the impoverished, to those who have never heard The gospel and yes, they live here in McDowell County. Just teach public school for one year and you'll encounter kids who have never, ever heard the name Jesus except as a bow word. That's what church does. We will not build buildings to suit our purposes. We will not pave parking lots to protect high hills. We will not do these things only to serve us, but to serve others. That's what a New Testament church is about and does. And then we'll give away and give away and give away. And and send folks to East Marion and say, God, work there. And, And you guys, I don't even think realize this, but you allow me to mentor 20 other young ministers. 20. Monthly to meet with them. They now, if they're working on their MDiv, can get credit for it in two different seminaries. We just give. Paul said, your example moved out ahead and you were suffering in the middle of all of it and I'm I'm, I'm running for my life out of town and you're celebrating and you're worshiping and you're doing God's thing in spite of everything that happened in the starting of this church. You're thriving. Go Thessalonians. That's what he says. Number five, I love this. You wait, you wait. Verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven. Praise team if you'll come and we're going to sing. The first song we sang today is what we need to sing because it's about this. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come We wait. It means we haven't arrived. It means our job is never done. It means that we anticipate a life better than this. Amen, church? It means on our best day, we're not there yet. That there is a Jesus who came to planet earth and he died for our sins on the cross. He spread out his arms and died for us. And this Jesus who died for us rose three days later from the dead. And that Jesus who died and that Jesus who resurrected, about 50 days after that, he ascended. And after he ascended, a bunch of ragtag guys that you and I would never hire to start anything uh, started this thing called, uh, or, or continued this thing called the church. And 2,000 plus years later, we're here. Jesus is there and I want to see him. I want to look in his eyes and Because he's the real deal. You see, he has eyes that see and hands that feel and a heart that hurts. And he has uh, ears that hear. Uh, He has feet that walk. He is the real God. And and when I was 15, I turned away from idols and I turned to serve him. And I've never for a split second regretted that. Never. And one day I will see him face-to-face, eye-to-eye, hand-to-hand, hug-to-hug. He's that real, amen? We wait for him. We wait to see him. And so as we gather here, we gather as the people who haven't arrived, who haven't figured it out, who, who know that there's something more. This week I was watching the news. Maybe you saw the same news story young mom on that side of town, trailer burned, she died did you know she came here? that at the 11 o'clock service she would sit fully locked in as I preached three kids in tow brought by Bill Henley from the women's shelter when that flashed up I remembered stepping back one day and saying, so good to see you here this morning. Big smile came across her face. She said, oh, it's so good to be here. I watched that and my heart broke. But then I thought, aren't you glad for whatever reason She felt safe, welcomed, appreciated, invited here to hear the gospel.